0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to New Books and Music, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. My name is Kimberly Mack, and I'm a host for the channel. Today, we'll be talking to M.L. Liebler about his book, Heaven Was Detroit, From Jazz to Hip-Hop and Beyond. M.L. Liebler, welcome to the show.
1: It's great to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: M.L., I wonder if you would begin the interview by telling us a little bit about yourself.
1: Oh, Kimberly, there's so much to tell. Um, Let's see. Well, I have been teaching uh, at at Wayne State University in Detroit since 1980 uh, in the English department, but I also um, have taught in what we had was the American Studies Department a little bit. And I continue to teach in what is labor studies, uh, history and culture of the working class at Wayne State. Uh, I've been a poet all of my life and uh, well, since I was seven. And I've published 15 books um, from the recent uh, batch has been from the Wayne State University Press Made in Michigan series. and um, including Heaven was Detroit uh, was one of them, but mostly they are books of poetry. I also work with musicians. And record, and I've recorded uh, albums with the likes of Country Joe McDonald, Peter Lewis from Moby Grape, Al Cooper. um, I'm trying to think of all the people. And then my own magic poetry band that I've I've had uh, in the Detroit area since the mid-'80s. And I also direct literary arts organizations, Uh, I started directing the Poetry Resource of Michigan in the mid 80s and then I uh, became the founding director of the National Writers Voice Project in Detroit at the YMCA uh, in 94 and I did that until 2005, I think. And currently I'm directing uh, the um, longtime Detroit cultural organization called the Detroit Writers Guild. So those are the things I've traveled uh, to do work for the U.S. State Department, cultural work um, in many different countries, including Palestine, Russia, Afghanistan, Israel, and, you know, uh, many European countries as well. So the, that's that's my story.
0: How did you come to edit a collection of essays about Detroit music?
1: Well, uh, Originally, I had an idea to do an anthology. Uh, well, let me back up just a second. I I edited an anthology of working class literature. There hadn't been an anthology like that. I, I was teaching um, labor through the arts at Wayne State for years, and there was no textbook. So I created the, uh, an anthology that had poetry and creative nonfiction and fiction in it and some song lyrics, all dealing with aspects of the working class and work. And the book was called Working Words, um, and uh, it came out in 2010 from uh, the Coffeehouse Press in Minneapolis. So anyway, I had that experience, and while I was doing that, I thought, man, I'd like to do an anthology like this all on Detroit music. So I wanted poems and lyrics and creative nonfiction and short stories all, you know, related to different periods in Detroit music. So I went and approached the Wayne State University Press, where I do edit the Made in Michigan series, although Heaven isn't part of that series. And I told them about it, and they were interested, uh, and they asked me if I wouldn't reconsider to have the book be more or less creative nonfiction slash nonfiction. Now, at first, I was a little disappointed because... off the top of my head, at when they suggested that, I didn't—I um, didn't really think I knew that many nonfiction writers on Detroit music. <clears throat> but when I thought about it for uh, a, a couple hours after that meeting, I started kind of, you know, developing a list in my head of how I would approach this. And I thought, yeah, I can do that. You know, I mean, I guess I do know more uh, people that I'd like to have involved in something like this than I thought that I did. So that's, that was the beginning of it. And then I, I started to think uh, you know, how to put an anthology together like I did with working words where I had, you know, known writers, acclaimed uh, writers, um, some lesser-known, uh, maybe let's call them regional and local writers. And I also wanted to have some a, a few essays be by musicians who were inspired by um, certain artists, uh, have them write about that. And uh, a good example is Robert Jones uh, is more or less a Sunhouse scholar and, um, and actually got to meet him and everything. And I said, Robert, why don't you write an essay sort of My Life with Sunhouse, you know, I mean, as a working idea. And he did, and it came out uh, uh, really nice. And others did stuff like that, too. And I knew also I wanted to have some of the known names in music or contemporary music journalism in there, like Grill Marcus. And I wanted to get something from Lester Bangs because he worked in Detroit for a number of years uh, at Cream Magazine. That's where he really got his national uh launch into that area. And um so that's I I thought well I do know these people. So I put it together and I thought well I'm going to get some essays on jazz and some to cover blues and you know some to cover what's now called in England anyway northern soul or primo town like fortune records and um you know labels like that and there were many in Detroit. I think at one point there were something like 400 labels in Detroit at uh, around that time leading into Motown. And then, of course, I had to have a Motown part, a, a 1960s Detroit music part, um, 70s, which gets into Marvin Gaye and gets into uh, Kid Rock. Oh, I'm sorry, not Kid Rock, but um, Alice Cooper, different things like that. And then I wanted to make sure to round it out and give some um, um, accolades and uh, recognition to the fact that techno was started downriver in Belleville uh, by the, the Bellevue three and uh, has spread around the world. And also then hip hop with Eminem and champ town and other folks like that. So I, I kind of sketched that out in my mind almost immediately that, that these are the areas that I was looking for.
0: What did you learn about Detroit or Detroit music that you didn't know before embarking on this project?
1: Well, well, you know a lot of a, a lot of information. I mean, I I knew a lot because I've been teaching a class called "What's Going On" uh, Motown in literature and music. I've been doing that for I don't know at least ten, maybe fifteen years now. So I, you know, knew quite a bit, and I was always a real music person. I mean, my uh, my entree to uh, literature was really through music. And, uh, but I never thought that I'd be able to make a career out of it. You know what I mean? Um, teaching the Beatles and all the things that were in Detroit music and all the things that were important to me. Uh, I, I just didn't even give that any thought. I mean, I was happy teaching freshman comp, you know, so, um, when they offered these other ideas to me, uh, I was excited about it, but well, I guess some of the things that I I learned is I I can always learn more about Detroit jazz. Um, fortunately, in my Detroit class, I do have one of the authors of one of the articles in there, Jim Gallard, uh, come to my class, and he gives a very nice uh, presentation on Detroit jazz. And they wrote that famous book that's called Before Motown. Uh, it's Detroit jazz history. And uh, I sometimes teach the Ark of Justice book, which is, I think, has music in the subtitle of it, or jazz in it. And he tailors his talk around um, that period, which is the 1920s in Detroit. And, you know, when that first started happening and then when I, you know, read what he was doing, I learned a whole lot about how jazz started in Detroit, the importance of it starting in Detroit, and how it continues to connect to not only, uh, you know, the soul music, but also rock and techno and hip hop. And um, so that's one area uh, that I learned about. And then some of the other essays that are in there, I I specifically wanted essays on some of the lesser known uh, Detroit artists. So what I mean by that is um, in the rock section, there's Third Power, uh, which was a 60s band. And I didn't know that much about them. I'd seen them when I was like 15, but I didn't know that much uh, about their history. So until uh, Willie uh, Wilson wrote that essay. So I looked for stuff like that, like champ town and hip hop. I wanted Champtown in because his name is maybe not internationally as famous as um, as Eminem for hip hop, but he's the guy that started rapping in the late '70s in Detroit as a young kid. Eventually, built a reputation locally that Eminem and Kid Rock and others sought him out to learn their craft. And I mean, they all acknowledge that to be true. His name is Brian Harmon in in real life. Uh, So he's kind of known as the godfather or grandfather, at least, of Detroit hip hop music. And, you know, not enough people know that about him. So I wanted an essay on him. Uh, He didn't do it, but uh, I had a good uh, music journalist do that. So that taught me a lot about the early days of hip hop, for example, so I learned a lot about jazz in Detroit, which I didn't know as much as I thought I did. And then um, I, I also in the Primo Town, I wanted to highlight that period, like of uh, Jack Scott, who is the pioneer of rockabilly. And also Nathaniel Mayer and Andre Williams were on Fortune Records and they had big hits back in the, the late 50s. Early '60s, and not many people know about them. So I mix them in with the M and M's of the world and the uh, MC5 and and uh, other you know names that are known.
0: Are there any essays that particularly resonated with you? You know, ones that really really spoke to you, and, and why?
1: Well, I think you know, I think actually Roberts, and I'm glad that you know, I, I had that idea and assigned it to him and he was able to do it. <clears throat> because I was always fascinated by his story of Sunhouse, uh, Sunhouse being the, the guy who taught Robert Johnson how to play and uh, really is credited in many uh, publications um, and in scholarly work as the, the originator of the Delta blues. And I knew little bits of, of his story. and uh, But through Robert, I gained a lot more information. And then the fact that he lived and died here in Detroit um, seemed really, you know, like an, an important thing to me that I wanted people to know about because he's the innovator of that and he is um, forever, you know, uh, here in Detroit with us, you know. And so... I wanted that story. I'm always interested in the, in the um, sort of contemporary jazz part that comes out of the 60s in Detroit with John Sinclair and his Strata record label. That's why I wanted a piece on that. And then the other um, group, uh, both of them kind of subversive at the time, was Tribe, Tribe Music, and I wanted an essay on that. Um, and I did learn a lot more about it. I mean, I knew about strata per se, and I knew I had even a couple of tribe albums from when I was a teenager, but I really didn't understand the history and the connections and, uh, you know, to, to the contemporary jazz world beyond Detroit.
0: Were there any essays that you had to exclude, but if you had the space, you would have included them?
1: Well that is a really good question because um, after the book came out, uh, I did start, or when it was in publication and you know was beyond uh, changing, I did start to think of other um, artists that should be represented uh, in the book and at you know of course with the excitement and the hoopla of Heaven Was Detroit. Um, and it has sold really well, and I just happened to be looking at some other music books on, on my Kindle last night, and Heaven Was Detroit popped up, and it's it's still number 40 in music books, um, you know, and that's a couple of years after its release, so that was pretty amazing to me. Um, but I have, and, and there were, it, once the excitement at, at first, then, people, you know, the press and everybody else said, hey, will there be a Heaven Was Detroit, 2? And I was thinking of all these other uh, types of possibilities that would be included in it. And, um, you know, I I thought maybe so. I don't know if Wayne State is ready for that. But um, let me think about it, because some of the people that have come to mind, uh, I think, I don't think there's an essay per se on Art Tatum in there. Who really is from Toledo, I think, uh, but spent a lot of his musical career uh, or honing it anyway here in Detroit. Um, I would, I would like something, you know, on. I, I would have liked something on him or in a in a volume two. Uh, I would have liked to have gotten into a couple more of the more obscure '60s bands that were important at the time. Uh, in, in in the Detroit area, there was a group here called Carousel. There was another radical group that was even more radical than the MC5 and they lived with them called The Up. Uh, I'm, I'm good friends with the, the leader of that group uh, and I'd like him in, a, in another possible uh, rendition to write about The Up uh, and, and turn people on to that. And then there's so many other artists that Uh, there's kind of a list of artists unknown that were Motown artists um, that recorded on Motown and there hasn't been a lot written about them one is this white group from Grosse Pointe that had a hit uh, called um, Love's Gone Bad uh, and and they were the underdogs and I hear a couple of them are still alive and in the area I would have liked an essay on the underdogs and um, some of the lesser, maybe an essay on Mabel Johns from um, from Motown, maybe an essay on uh, the group that Cheech, or not Cheech, but uh, Tommy Chong was in, I'm blanking on their name, at Motown. He was a guitar player, a real good guitar player, and he was in this band. Um, so some of that stuff, maybe a couple of the other isolated innovators of techno would be cool, um, to have. And some of the younger groups may be picking, you know, from that group, from that, you know, that mm-hmm. group of musicians.
0: Dave, Dave Marsh in his forward actually made a little nod to Toledo, um, as you just did, um, Toledo being just over the, the boundaries, you know, about, um, 50 miles, 60 miles away from Detroit. Um, are there any other, besides Art Tatum, any other Toledo groups or artists that had a lot of um, play in Detroit that you might include in that second volume if you were to do that?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, actually, Kimberly, and I mentioned it there uh, when I was down there in January, uh, and I don't know if people, you know, forgot about it, but I didn't, uh, that I kind of had. An idea, and I, I, I mentioned it to to you and others, but I had this idea based on our conference that was going on between G- Detroit and Toledo, that I'd like a second version. Let's say of Heaven was Detroit uh, would probably have a different name, but to be a combination of these artists who came out of Toledo that I learned a great deal about and then researched after. Uh, our conference. And I'd like it to have, you know, maybe 10 to 12 Toledo artists. Um and and, you know, another maybe 10, 8 to 10 of some of these Detroit artists that I'm talking about that really weren't covered. You know, uh Dinah, Dinah Washington married Night Train Lane and lived in Detroit. Uh that would be a great story to have in in a book like that. So I, in my head, kind of um, outlined a book that would be like that. And in doing that and researching, I mean, there's a, there's a blues scene that comes out of of the Toledo area that I'd like people to know about. Um, I think, what is it, yeah. the Heinz Farm? Uh that needs to be in a book, you know, that gets attention that people know about that and the blues uh, connection between Toledo and Detroit. Then the jazz connection. Um, I think it's a colleague of yours is really a scholar of John Hendricks. That would be a great uh, jazz contribution uh, on him. I think that's his yes. name. Is that right, John Hendricks? Yeah, and uh, and then of all things, shortly after that. Imagine this. This is, this is uh, divinity, if you will. I'm watching, I think it was Fargo, and I hear this song, uh, Moanin'. I, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but I really it was kind of an a cappella sounding thing. And I, I thought, wow, that is, I've never heard that before. I looked it up, and it was by this group that John Hendricks was, were like I think there was a woman, a guy, and him, this vocal group. And they, they did that record. So, you know, here's uh, John Hendrix <laughs> after that in my living room. Um, and I thought, he's got to be in a book like this. Uh, of course, Art Tatum is, is a natural for a book like that. Then I started looking up other, in other genres of music. And I found that, um, and, and, and tell me if you know this uh, and we're aware of this, but the, the founder of the group Boston is from Toledo. Uh, I think his name is Tom Schultz, if I'm right. I did uh, did know you know that. that? No, I did not. Know yeah. See, I know stuff now about Toledo that <laughs> I have to tell the world about. <laughs> yeah, the Boston's from there. Um, then there's this uh, really, and I already have the writers assigned to these things, if we can get this book off the ground. But uh, the Soul Dad Brothers, I don't know if you've heard yes. of them. They they were part of the white. Yeah, you're kind of a white stripe scholar. So, they came. They came out of that, and I think a couple of them, or all of them, still in some way work for Third Man, and um, or the one of them I think does the literary end of Third Man. So, yes, I think Ben
0: Swank people, is at Third Man. Yeah,
1: Ben. That's right. That's right. So I thought, you know, we gotta we gotta highlight these guys because I've heard them back in the day, and I thought they were kind of interesting. But then, and but I, and I heard they were from Toledo, but I didn't really understand that. You know, like what's in Toledo? Where where would a band play in Toledo? You know. Anyway, Um, so. So they're kind of from that new music thing. I think there was a known punk band uh, that came out of Toledo. And then I recently, and tell me if I read this right, I think, wasn't Brenda Lee born in Toledo? Hmm. I, you know, isn't she the one that sang about, I saw Mama kissing Santa Claus?
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't, know. I don't something know. Something like, like that. that. Yeah, that, that I'm not sure about. Uh,
1: it, and there and there were some others. You know, I looked up. There's a, there's a gospel group that came out of there that, you know, they're known in the gospel recording uh, world. And uh, and and without looking at my notes, uh, there's probably some other uh, amazing artists that have come out of there. So, uh, once I get a green light on that concept. Um, you know that's going to that's going to come to light and it the, the Wayne State press asked me when I presented that idea they said which was great i was trying to make it appealing to a detroit press to do this but they said why don't you just do toledo and i thought <laughs> oh okay well i did you know I can you know, find my list uh, that I that I typed up of all these uh, people that I'd been finding from Toledo. And there's plenty enough to do. I don't know mm-hmm. if it'd be a book as fat as Heaven Was Detroit, but it would be a healthy book just with Toledo. So maybe that's what will come out of, um, you know, our talking about it, me researching it and that sort of thing.
0: That's really that's really exciting. Uh-huh.
1: Oh. of which, you know, you and your colleagues, I'm going to be, you know, leaning on <laughs> to, uh, to be authors in it, of course.
0: That's great. That's, that's really exciting. Um, so Dave Marsh in his forward, he says that he can hear what is distinctive about Detroit music, but he can't articulate it. Are there any essays in this collection that come close to articulating the sound of Detroit music?
1: You know, I, here's what I, th- I think that he's right. And I know there is a distinct uh, Detroit sound <clears throat> that in, whether it be jazz or in blues or even in, in soul music and rock, um, I think, thinking about the essays that might convey this to people, I think the you know going in somewhat of the order of the book i don't have it in front of me but uh you know when jim gallert writes about the um when jim gallert writes about the bluebird cafe or the bluebird bar uh in detroit um he does capture the essence of music in the you know in the neighborhoods in the community and how it's it's just as much a part of everyday life, or was uh, for sure uh, around that jazz time, uh, you know, as, as eating and drinking and sleeping and going to work. I mean, it just was kind of in, in the bones of people. I, so I think that his writing uh, depicts that in that essay. And then when you go to blues, I think Marsha Music really nails it because her father, Joe Van Battle, uh owned Joe's record store on Hastings Street. And um and and that's where John Lee Hooker started. And I think that John Lee Hooker blues sound is distinctively Detroit. You know, and maybe it comes from the assembly line or or but it's got that kind of simplistic three chord foot stomp type of blues to it. And you know, like Marsh is saying uh i can i can recognize that but uh for other people it's sort of like i may not recognize that or be able to say put words on what that is but i i certainly know it's unique in the way that it's presented and detroit blues has that kind of harsher edge to it uh the kind of howl and growl to it that uh that other you know cities and, and the mu- music that comes out of it, as great as it is, is not the same. And the same goes when you get into the soul with Fortune Records. Those guys who are you know now huge in England as Northern Soul, there's a distinct kind of harmony and lyric and and musical sound that if you hear it, you, you know it's Detroit. And I think in that way to understand it. Is when anybody hears a Motown song, they know it's Motown. You know, they can say that is Motown. That is, or if they hear someone trying to rip off Motown, they can say that sure sounds a lot like Motown music. Which you know, there's newer, younger people coming up all the time, uh, and they're trying to emulate in some way that Motown uh, sound or acknowledge it in their in their presentations. Uh, and in the rock music. <clears throat> Uh, when you get into the 60s, I think, you know, the the bands in Detroit had a lot in common with the sound that the MC5 developed. Sort of the loud, brash, political, um, you know, howling, uh, grinding guitar sounds um, and, and maybe replicating, uh, you know, industry itself, the factory. Because we do know that the assembly line has ma- had a major impact on musicians, uh, many of them, like John Lee Hooker, jazz guys, and, and even in Barry Gordy's case, worked in factories. That's why they came to Detroit to work. And then, you know, on the side were doing their music and until that became sort of their full-time thing. So, uh, and and and, you know, Motown is probably the greatest example of, you know, soaking up the Detroit vibe, if you will, by Barry Gordy because it was his working at Ford's that gave him the idea uh, of how to make records. You know, first we do this and we send them to this, you know, just like building a car. Then we send them to show them how to dance. Then we show them, you know, send them to etiquette school. Uh, then we send them to the fashion school. You know what I mean? It was like, And if you and you probably have been to Motown, and a lot of those um, old houses are gone that they had the different stuff in, but you can see they're all down uh, on West Grand Boulevard and they're next to each other across the street. And that was, in a way, like Motown University, you know, for these artists. And they were working, uh, that studio was open 24 hours a day. There was so many, so much creativity and so many artists that they were accommodating. Um, So you know, I, I, I'm a little bit more than Dave. I think I can identify it, but I definitely know what he's saying. And I think when you hear something, even with like the white stripes, you know, you hear that minimalist, hard, you know, grunge rock blues. I mean, look at he brings the blues into it as a very young man who, um, you know, that's not of his era per se. But he certainly captures it pretty realistically, and it's pretty dedicated to what is the Detroit sound.
0: That was one of the things that I found interesting about Marcia Music's essay, this idea that the jazz uh, the blues men were not magical, um, that they were regular men who were reacting to their lives, to their everyday lives. And it feels like what you're saying is that what one of the things that makes Detroit music unique is that the sounds are coming out of a particular kind of life, a particular kind of um, worldly experience.
1: Well, I, you know, I guess that's a good way to to, to look at it and put it too. Is see and it's true in Toledo because you guys are close enough that it, that it had a rub off down there as well but you know we there's a certain culture in Detroit and Toledo that is way different than even you know it's similar a little bit to Cleveland but not quite it's similar a little bit to Pittsburgh but not not quite in Detroit and I used to talk about this uh, overseas quite a bit because i 've taught before this book came out and everything I would teach my Motown class in Germany, I taught it in russia, I taught it in other places like that uh Israel and um, I mean you can do a whole civil rights class on just things that happened in Detroit in its history but um the the thing that I was uh, you know the, the, when I would talk about that, there is a certain kind of humanity that Detroit artists have, I mean, not that our, artists here aren't just as egotistical as many around the country, whether they're poets or musicians, but there's a certain humble aspect uh, to it. And in many cases in general, <clears throat> the artist who came out of Detroit stayed either connected to Detroit in a, in a, in a big way or never left Detroit. And, and that's kind of a Detroit thing. Uh, for example, I'm good friends with Duke Foucault. Now, he's the last living member of the uh, Four Tops. Well, the Four Tops back, and I didn't know all the Four Tops, but I do know Duke pretty well. And um, they decided, they made a pact amongst each other back in the Motown days that they would never leave Detroit. And where, you know, many others left. And uh, weather is a big part of it, to be honest with you. Smokey, Duke told me, Smokey, you know, when winter was really snowy and harsh, he said, you know what, I've had it, I'm out, <laughs> you know. And he moved out to Los Angeles, like with Motown, as many others did. But but the four tops stayed here. And, in fact, Duke lives on a street. Uh, I mean, if you're here, I'll show it to you, I'll take you there. I mean, he lives on a... Uh, a nice house that he actually had built in the city of Detroit, but it's, he lives in a house on a street. Um, You know, Marshall too, actually, you know, Eminem, he lives on a house. I mean, it is, and he talks about it, makes fun of it, a gated community per se. We don't really have those like they do in other States, but He does, but he lives, you know, his daughter went to school uh, at a school that my uh, poet friend has taught at and teaches at. I mean, people from Detroit, Jack would have stayed here too, uh, but, you know, he found his fame went to a certain level that his musical needs weren't able to be met here. But now he's really kind of returned with Third Man and Detroit and the record company and, you know, all that sort of thing. So I think that's his way to come back. But um, Anita Baker still lives in a house on Jefferson. You know, my brother-in-law did work for her. He was a handyman. And, you know, that's Detroit. If you ask me, people live their lives. You know, they may be famous all around the world, but they just come home to their house and, you know, uh, do their thing. And, and and Patty Smith lived. I, and I live in St. Clair shores and Patty Smith, Lived over a couple of streets over from me uh, for years with with her husband, and then after her husband died, and then her her son lived there for a number of years, and uh, she kept the house for when she comes back to Detroit. So, do you see what I'm saying? I don't know. Am I painting that mm-hmm. picture that the people from here are you know really part of the community uh, and and they and Aretha Franklin, another friend of mine, was her mailman. For God's sakes, you know, I mean, walked up to her house and put the mail in the box. So I don't think you find that in other cities where people of that caliber are just living in neighborhoods and living their lives. That's what I say. That's what I tell students overseas, too. That's what's different between Detroit and New York and Los Angeles and, you know, places like that, even Chicago.
0: Did you have any surprises with any of the essays? Anything just sort of jump out at you and surprise you?
1: Uh,
0: that's a good question.
1: Well, there a, a lot of it does, of course. Um, being reminded of some of the things, like with the jazz history, with the Hastings Street history, Um you know there were there were aspects of that 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 you know i was was that were brought to my attention um at, that i wasn't as tuned into um just trying to think of some of the essays in the book that uh that that kind of go into well you know the one that's in there about that Sinclair did about Detroit blues people Um, And and the information about Strata. I really, I kind of had an idea of what Strata Records was, which is kind of the early, mid-60s, hipster Detroit jazz scene. But I really didn't understand it until uh, John wrote that essay. And the same with Tribe. I'd had these Tribe records, but I didn't really. And I knew that they were kind of left of center or not in the mainstream. But I didn't get to know it as well. And then uh, Jack Scott. I mean, I'd, I'd heard of Rockabilly and Jack Scott, but I didn't know anything really about him until S.R. Bolin, you know, wrote the essay on it. And then that uh, the, the other labels around Detroit, there's one in there on uh, Click Records, which was kind of in Troy. I didn't know about that. I didn't know about the York Brothers. That that Craig Mackey wrote about that was pretty amazing to me. That you know this kind of <clears throat> country music came out of Detroit, um, and then learning more about you know the the town uh, side of hip hop uh, through that essay was pretty amazing to me. So yeah. Also, there's one essay, short essay in the back, and I remember it because I've been teaching at Wayne for you know a long time. But there was this coffee house I don't know if you have the book in front of you but there was this coffee house uh, it's in the last section of the book and I knew about it I'm blanking on the name right now but um, I knew about this coffee house and um, I might have even read poetry in it at some point way back in the day but um, I, I didn't really understand the magnitude of the fact that Some of these major artists who were not, you know, superstars who played, uh, you know, book gigs in there, like Sleater Keeney played in there. It's like, what? Right there on campus? And and it was like an old house. Zoots. that's what it was called. And so that was amazing to me. I mean, I heard of Zoots, and I, like I said, I might have even read some poetry. In fact, I think the guy who wrote that article said, you read there. And I was like, I did? He goes, yeah, I remember you reading there. Because I've always done stuff, or I've done it for a long time with musicians. So, you know, it, it may be true. I've had so many, i played with so many musicians in Detroit that people come up to me sometimes and, and say, I was in the Magic Poetry Band. And I'm like, you were? You know, and then they'll say, yeah, I played, you know, like that gig at Zoots or something. Oh, and I want to say, that was you? You know, or whatever, but... Uh, it's kind of gotten out of control over 30 some years like that but yeah so so that was surprising to me I mean I'd heard of Zoots I thought it was just a hipster place for kids you know punky kids to go to but that reminds me of some other things that would be good for uh, a second edition uh, is we used to have this uh, program around the time and uh, actually before Zoots that. Rob Tiner had a big, the lead singer of the MC5, and and I, I that's where I met Rob and knew him through that originally. Is he stayed around Wayne State? In fact, his wife still lives um, right on campus there, but he stayed around Wayne State. He helped organize this thing <clears throat> that really, by today's standards, would be pretty outrageous. It was called the Community Concert Series, and it was it was a concert. It was kind of a arts program that started about midnight and it went till six in the morning and it was held uh, inside of an Episcopalian church that was on Wayne State's campus. There happened to be a hipster poet priest there and he let them, you know, let everybody use it. And I definitely had performed on that many times with music without music, but it would, you know, once a month it would happen. I think originally, and Rob ran that he that was his, you know partly his idea, and that was a really big thing that a number of artists national and local uh who were you know on the uh, you know left of center uh uh spectrum would play at you know you'd have a lot of s s t bands play there, you know like the Minutemen and Black Flag and mixed in with detroit's poets and dancers and you know it was like a variety show that anybody could participate in it's just that you had to stay up until six or seven in the morning which was easier back then (laughs) than it is now so anyway did i did i answer the question
0: yes no absolutely so so earlier you you already kind of touched on this but I find this particularly interesting. You know, in your book, there are essays about singer-songwriter Sixto Rodriguez oh, right. and the proto-punk band Death, both yes. of which were subjects of successful documentaries, exposing them to new audiences. Right, right. Um, you know, are there other? I know you mentioned a couple, but are there other artists discussed in this collection that we really all should know about?
1: Death is another uh, eye-opening um, essay for me. I don't know what came first for me, the documentary or the essay. Um, I knew Ben, uh, Ben Blackwell down at third man. I knew he was very knowledgeable about, about that group. So that was a natural to go to him. Um, You know, some I'm finding it with this new book book I'm working on that we'll talk about in a couple of minutes, but um, there's a lot of information that you can glean from these essays uh that that are in essays maybe let's say about um the mc5 or some of the jazz people where in passing names are mentioned or artists are mentioned that have you know triggered my interest um where like the essay might not be about Youssef Latif. I don't think, now that's one that I would definitely have in another edition. I don't think there's one in that book, but he's mentioned in there. And um, I find that to be true in many of these different essays that within the topic or subject of the essay, one can learn about other um, artists that are not as well known. And, and that was a concept of why I wanted groups like Death in there. That's a good, another great example of it is I did learn about them, and most people did. And, you know, I actually now, as it turns out, I, I know these guys, you know, I mean. Uh, and they're still recording, and they're still playing, and, you know, so forth. Um, so it, it's hard for me, just off the top, I'd probably have to look at the, uh, and, and readers should look at the index in the back with all the different artists that are in there. And I'm sure, you know, you can play six degrees of separation with, uh, with Detroit music and connect everybody
0: together in some way. Are there any current bands that you can think of that might make it into that second version? If there's that second version coming.
1: Yeah, there's, um, there's a group group, here and I've reached out to them, and I think they're pretty interesting. Um, it's a group called uh, Flint. I think it's Flint Eastwood, and um, and it's really this 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 uh, female artist, and I think her brother, and then they have some musicians that they use for their programs. And um, I find their music really interesting, interesting enough that I've asked them to or asked her anyway to come to class and talk about it. Uh, You know, and she's definitely kind of on the breaking scene. I think we'll probably hear more about her as time goes on. Um, In uh, the area of of hip hop, um, I'm working with these uh, two guys from Flint. Uh, who are very unique and very different. And, um, uh, you know, I work with Eminem's publisher and, uh, we, we brought, we have brought them down to the studio, uh, uh, where, you know, big studio, and we're kind of just starting to work with them. In fact, I'm going over to the studio tomorrow. I think, you know, people will hear from them. They're kind of a cross between or have a sound like, um, I was saying, like Death Cab for Cutie music. This one kid creates all this music. He plays, I don't know what he said, fifteen or twenty instruments, and the other guy um, sings, has a really nice voice, and mixes a little hip hop in, like Weekend. So it's kind of like Death Cab for Cutie meets Weekend. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, the, the, the one kid is Caucasian, the other is African American the music is a kind of alternative interesting uh music and then the um uh, Phil does uh, writes the words to everything and and has a great voice so i don't know maybe you'll hear from them and then you know you'll say hey i heard it on on this bro- uh, podcast but they're pretty interesting i think we're going to hear more from them
0: great yeah well ML, we've taken up a lot of your time. I I have a final question for you. What are you working on now? I
1: thought you'd never ask, Professor. (laughs) Um, Well, here, I'm working on three things right now. Um, One, actually four now that I think about it. Um, One that has been more or less put to bed and is in production at the Michigan State University Press is a book called I Just Want to Testify, poems about Detroit music and um, that is part of what I was shooting for the first time uh, when I mentioned to you about it being a literary anthology versus an essay anthology and um, so th- what i we've done uh, I brought Jim Daniels on board um, uh, He's from Detroit but teaches at Carnegie Mellon And between the two of us, we have put together this fantastic uh, collection of poems and lyrics. Uh, Everybody's in this book from Fats Domino to um, uh, Paul Simon, uh, all these people that have written about. uh, And then the major poets, too, like Rita Dove's in it and June Jordan's in it and Phil Levine's in it. You know, uh, Robbie Robertson's in it. All these people with lyrics and poems are part of it. So that's going to come out next fall. I mean, 2019. Uh, I'm working, I've been working on my memoir, um, you know, for a few summers. And it's actually uh, taking shape. And my memoir is all based on my, you know, various connections I have to music. Like each chapter is titled after an artist, not necessarily a Detroit artist, but um, like for example, the first chapter is Elvis and Beatles, and there's a Dylan chapter, but there is an MC5 chapter, there is a Four Tops chapter, you know, there's things like that in it, and they're all kind of stories that I have connected to these artists, uh, national and mostly national and local. So that's happening. I'm, I'm, I'm doing another book of poetry for 2021, I think. And then I, I'm still pursuing the Toledo music book. So, um, And I'm actually waiting to hear some word from Wayne State in the near future, whether they're going to do it or, or I'm going to go to my friends at other places and suggest it. So that's kind of what's been occupying me. And, and like I was saying with the, the, the poetry book, we're going to have an index in the back too because so many artists, local and national, are acknowledged and mentioned in many of these pieces that uh, we want to be able to um, have readers uh, identify and, and, and we'll have a, like in that book, we'll have a, a bibliography that refers them to, you know, books on these artists.
0: Wow. <laughs> you have a lot going on. These all sound like mm-hmm. great projects. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you for being on the show today. I really enjoyed it. Thank
1: you. Oh, I'm, I'm grateful to have a, a, some time to talk with you, uh, you know, about Detroit music. All right.
0: Well, take care.
1: Okay. Thank you. Appreciate it.